Welcome everyone, this is another episode of Talk Your Thought and today this is another read with me. I am going to be reading the flower myths, Narcissus, Hyacinth, and Adonis from the book Mythology by Edith Hamilton. In Greece, there are most lovely wildflowers. They would be beautiful anywhere, but Greece is not a rich and fertile country of wide meadows and fruitful fields where flowers seem at home. It is a land of rocky ways and stony hills and rugged mountains, and in such places the exquisite vivid bloom of wildflowers, a profusion of delight, gay, bewilderingly bright, comes as a startling surprise. Bleak heights are carpeted in radiant colors. Every crack and crevice of a frowning crag blossoms. The contrast of this laughing, luxuriant beauty with a clear, clear-cut, austere grandeur. All around arrests the attention sharply. Elsewhere, wildflowers may be a little noticed, but never in Greece. That was as true in the days of old as it is now. In the faraway ages, when the tales of Greek mythology were taking shape, men found the brilliant blossoms of the Greek spring a wonder and a delight. Those people separated from us by thousands of years, and almost completely unknown to us, felt as we do before that miracle of loveliness, each flower so delicate, yet altogether covering the land like a rainbow mantle flying over the hills. The first storytellers in Greece told story after story about them, how they had been created, and why they were so beautiful. It was the most natural thing possible to connect them with the gods. All things in heaven and earth were mysteriously linked with the divine powers, but beautiful things most of all. Often an especially exquisite flower was held to be the direct creation of a god for his own purpose. That was true of the Narcissus, which was not like ours of that name, but a lovely bloom of glowing purple and silver. Zeus called it into being to help his brother, the lord of the dark underworld, when he wanted to carry away the maiden he had fallen in love with, Demeter's daughter, Persephone. She was gathering flowers with her companions in the Vale of Enna. In a meadow of soft grass and roses and crocus and lovely violets and iris and hyacinths. Suddenly, she caught sight of something quite new to her, a bloom more beautiful by far than any she had ever seen. A strange glory of a flower, a marvel to all, immortal gods and mortal men. A hundred blossoms grew up from the, from the roots, and the fragrance was very sweet. The broad sky above, and the whole earth laughed to see it, and the salt wave of the sea. Only Persephone among the maidens had spied it. The rest were at the other end of the meadow. She stole toward it, half fearful at being alone, but unable to resist the desire to fill her basket with it exactly as Zeus had supposed she would feel. 
wondering, she stretched out her hands to take the lovely plaything. But before she touched it, a chasm opened in the earth and out of it cold black. Horses sprang, drawing a chariot and, dri and driven by one who had look of dark splendor, majestic and beautiful and terrible. She caught her to him and held her close. The next moment, she was being borne away from the radiance of the earth in springtime to the world of the dead by the king who rules it. This was not the only story about the narcissist. There was another as magical, but quite different. The hero of it was a beautiful lad. His name was Narcissus. His beauty was so great, all the girls who saw him longed to be his, but he would not have any of them. He would pass the loveliest carelessly by, no matter how much she tried to make him look at her. Heartbroken maidens were nothing to him. Even the side case of the fairest of the nymphs, Echo, did not move him. She was a favorite of Artemis, the goddess of woods and wild creatures, but she came under the displeasure of a still madder goddess, Hera herself, who was at her usual occupation of trying to discover what Zeus was about. She suspected that he was in love with one of the nymphs, and she went to look them over to try to discover which. However, she was immediately diverted from her investigation by Echo's gay chatter. As she listened amused, the others silently stole away and Hera could come to no conclusion as to where Zeus' wandering fancy had alighted. With her unusual injustice, she turned against Echo. That nymph became another unhappy girl whom Hera punished. The goddess condemned her never to use her tongue again except to repeat what was said to her. You will always have the last word, Hera said, but no power to speak first. This was very hard, but hardest of all, when Echo, too, with all the other lovelorn maidens, loved Narcissus. She could follow him, but she could not speak to him. How then could she make a youth who never looked at a girl pay attention to her? One day, however, it seemed her chance had come. He was calling to his companions, Is anyone here? And she called back in rapture, Here? Here? She was still hidden by the trees so that he did not see her and shouted, Come! Just watch along to say to him, she answered joyfully, Come! And stepped forth from the woods with her arms outstretched. But he turned away in angry disgust. Not so, he said. I will die before I give you power over me. All she could say was humbly and entreatingly, I give you power over me. But he was gone. She hid her blushes and her shame in a lonely cave and never could be comforted. Still she lives in, a pla in places like that. And they say she has so wasted with longing that only her voice now is left to her. So Narcissus went to his curl way, a scorner of love. But at last, one of those he wounded prayed a prayer 
but it was answered by the gods. May he who loves not others love himself. The great goddess Nemesis, which means righteous anger, undertook to bring this about. As Narcissus bent over a clear pool of four of drink and saw there is own re- and saw there is only reflection on the moment he fell in love with it. Now I know, he cried, what others have suffered from me, for I burn with love of my own self. And yet, how can I reach that loveliness I see mirrored in the water? But I cannot leave. Only death can set me free. And so it happened. He pined away, leaning perpetually over the pool, fixed in one long gaze. Echo was near him, but she could do nothing. Only when dying, he called to his image, Farewell, farewell. She could repeat the words as a last goodbye to him. They say that when this spirit crossed the river that encircles the world of the dead, it leaned over the boat to catch the final glimpse of itself in the, in the water. The nymphs he had scorned were kind to him in death and sought his body to give it burial. But they could not find it. Where it had lain, there was blossoming a new and lovely flower. They called it by his name, Narcissus. Another flower that came into being through the death of a beautiful youth was the hyacinth. Again, not like the flower we call by that name, but lily-shaped and of a deep purple or some say a splendid crimson. There was a tragic death and each year it was commemorated by the festival of hyacinthus that lasts throughout the tranquil night in a contest with Apollo. He was slain, discus throwing, they competed, and the god's swift cast sped beyond the goal he aimed at, and struck Hyacinthus full in the forehead a terrible wound. He had been Apollo's dearest companion. There was no rivalry between them when they tried which could throw the discus farthest. They were only playing a game. The god was horror-struck to see the blood gush forth and the lad dead, deathly pale, fall to the ground. He turned as pale himself as he caught him up in his arms and tried to staunch the wound, but it was too late. When he held him, the boy's head fell back as a flower, as a flower does when its stems is broken. He was dead and Apollo kneeling beside him, wept for him, dying so young, so beautiful. He had killed him, although through no fault of his, and he cried, Oh, if I could give my life for yours or die with you. Even as he spoke, the blood-stained grass turned green again and there bloomed forth the wondrous flower that was to make the lad's name known forever. Apollo himself inscribed the petals, some say with Hyacinth's initial, and others with two letters of the Greek word that means alas. Either way, a memorial of the god's great sorrow. There is a story too that Zephyr, the west wind, not Apollo, was the direct cause of, his, of the dead, that he also loved the fairies of the youths, and in his jealous anger at seeing the god preferred to him, he blew upon the discus 
and made it strike hyacinth. Of these deaths and flower resurrections, the most famous was that of Adonis. Every year, the Greek girls mourned for him, and every year, they rejoiced when his flower, the blood-red anemone, the windflower, was seen blooming again. Aphrodite loved him, the goddess of love, who pierces with her shafts the hearts of gods and men alike, was fated herself to suffer that same piercing pain. She saw him when he was born, and even then loved him, and decided he should be hers. She carried him to Persephone to take charge of him for her. But Persephone loved him too, and would not give him back to Aphrodite, not even when the goddess went down to the underworld to get him. Neither goddess would yield, and finally, Zeus himself had to judge between them. He decided that Adonis should should spend half of the year with each, the autumn and winter with the queen of the dead, the spring and the summer with the goddess of love and beauty. All the time he was with Aphrodite, she sought only to please him. He was keen for the chase, and often she would leave her swan-drawn car in which she was used to glide at her ease through the air and follow him along rough woodland ways dressed like a huntress. But one sad day, she happened not to be with him and, she, and he tracked down a mighty boar. With his hunting dogs, he brought the beast to play. He hurled his spear at it but only wounded it. And before he could spring away, the boar, mad with pain, rushed at him and gored him with its great tusks. Aphrodite, in her winged car, high over the earth, heard her lover's groan and flew to him. He was softly breathing in his life away, the dark blood flowing down his skin of snow and his eyes growing heavy and dim. She kissed him. But Adonis knew not that she kissed him as he died. Cruel as his wound was, the wound in her heart was deeper. She spoke to him, although he knew, although she knew he could not hear her. You die, O thrice desired, and my desire has flown like a dream. Gone with you is the girdle of my beauty. But I myself must leave, who am a goddess, and may not follow you. Kiss me yet once again, the last long kiss, until I draw your soul within my lips and drink down all your love. The mountains all were calling and the oak trees answering, Oh woe, woe for Adonis, he is dead. And Echo cried in answer, Oh woe, woe for Adonis, and all the loves wept for him and all the muses too. But down in the black underworld, Adonis could not hear them, nor see the crimson flower that sprang up where each drop of his blood had stained the earth. 
So that is the end of the flower mates, narcissist, hyacinth, and adonis. I am able to find out in this episode as well how Persephone disappeared, what happened before the disappearance because in the mirror story it was vaguely described as she just disappeared one day. So it's look it looks like Zeus is behind everything because of his brother Hades who has fallen in love with Persephone. Unfortunately though, it seems like it didn't really end well with all of the love story that we've had so far because although Hades is able to capture the love of his life, Persephone, she fell in love with another who is Adonis, who was also the lover of Aphrodite, whom Aphrodite loved even before he was born. So that was really, um, yeah, quite complicated. But also, just to make it short, it's not a good story to end because Adonis also died, and Aphrodite ends up sharing the love of her life as well. Although she had committed, like she had committed to just love Adonis all her life, and she entrusted the wrong goddess, which is or who is Persephone, who also fell in love with Adonis and ends up like Zeus being like the righteous god that he appears to be, but not really. <laughs> so he had to, they had to share. Okay, so that is it for today's podcast and i really hope that you enjoyed today's story so we are going to try to look into more maybe happy endings in the future so yeah see you in the next episode